Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I am Josh, and I'm excited to have Van Moody back on the show today. Van, thanks for joining us. Josh, it's always great to be with you guys. So there's only one other human being that's actually been on the show now twice, and so you are in rare territory. Uh, so thanks for being back on. Van is a pastor. He leads the the worship center there in Birmingham, Alabama. He's also a speaker as well as an author, and I have him back on the show to talk about his latest book. It's entitled Desired by God. Van, tell us about the book. Well, yeah, I'm really excited about it, and I know that it's going to add you know, tremendous value to your leaders. Uh, I was on the show uh, before, and it is an honor to be in rare company to be invited back. <laughs> um, and I was, I think, talking about one of my previous books, and that's one of the things that makes Desire by God very interesting, because Desire by God is the third book in a trilogy. And so many people will remember, uh, if they uh, read the Bible or the Sunday School, the encounter in Matthew where a teacher of the law comes up to Jesus and asks him of the law of Moses, which is the greatest. And Jesus responds and says that he can sum up the law and the prophets with love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so the trilogy uh, was really based on that encounter because Jesus gives him a response that really has three tiers to it. He says, uh, love your neighbor, and I'm going in reverse order. He says, love your neighbor, which is really the premise of the first book in the trilogy, The People Factor. And then he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's that interesting caveat. And that as you love yourself component was the subject matter for the second book, The I Factor. But the most critical component is when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and your soul. And that's really the essence of Desire by God. I, I do believe that that is the most important relationship uh, that really determines everything else as it relates to our life. But I believe that before people can really engage God and love Him with heart, mind, and soul, they first have got to have an accurate picture of who He is and understand how passionately in love with humanity God is. Because I think when you see Him correctly— have a great understanding of his heart, then you're able to engage him like Jesus instructed us to love with all of our heart, mind, and soul. So that's what I get into with Desire by God. And I think that it is, it's high time for that because I think culturally uh, there's a lot that's been said and done in the name of God that's not really God at all. I think God has been mischaracterized and misrepresented. And I think that there's a culture now that's raising some fundamental questions that I believe as believers we have to answer Absolutely. adequately, but we've got to represent God the right way. And and that's why I, I'm so excited about this book and can't wait 
for your listeners and, and everybody to read it. So you mentioned this this trilogy. Is there any rhyme or reason for you going in that particular order? And subsequently, you know, why is this kind of the apex that that final final episode, if you will? Yeah, you know, what was interesting is I, I don't know that I started off with um, a, a hard and fast rule about which book needed to come out first. Um, I think that they ended up coming out in the order that that God desired, um, in a sense, and, you know, no pun intended with the title, but I, I do feel like the timing was very purposeful. I, I don't know if several years ago when the people factor came out, if our culture was ready, uh, like it is now sure. and needs uh, desired by God. I, I think we were building to that point, but I just think, uh, as I look back on it, I, I just think God's timing was so perfect because mm. I don't know a better time for Design by God to come out than right now. So I just think that it is it is answering a lot of the burning yeah, questions our culture's raising. So I just think the timing God worked it out. And so the the ten thousand foot view of Desired by God, your your new book, is that it's you know, it, it, it fulfills, you know, what Jesus said and you know, the greatest two commandments, love the Lord your God and then love others like you love yourself. But kind of give me the weeds version. What what are you hoping that, that folks walk away with after they have read Desired by God? Well I can tell you what they're gonna walk away with and it's it's based on how the book is set up. The first section of the book deals with this question of who is God really Really. And then the second section uh, deals with love on display, and the third section is living love. And let me unpack that. The first thing that I deal with in the book um, is the question of all questions. You know, can we get an accurate picture of, of the heart of God? And I walk uh, the reader through a, a very exciting way to really answer that question. Plus, there's a very powerful, um, historically significant love story that is woven through the book. And so it's written in a, a very captivating way. But what people will walk away from in the first section is a biblically accurate and culturally relevant understanding of who God is. And one of the things that I deal with in section one is that he's passionately in love with us, right? Mm-hmm. So then the second section of the book, I show how throughout history, in the ways that God has revealed himself, he's really been revealing his passionate love for us. And then in the third section, I deal with, so what happens then? If you open your heart to receive this love, what what happens? You know, how will it impact your life? I often tell people that God doesn't come to the party empty-handed. He comes bringing all manner of gifts that are life-changing. And uh, that's what it means to live loved, because that's when our life changes dramatically in all the best ways. But before I can even get there, you first got to know accurately who he is. You got to historically understand that when he did this or when he revealed himself in this way, it was him showing uh, this amazing love. But then what happens when you open up your heart and embrace it? So those are the three critical things that people are going to walk away from, and it's going to be empowering. It's 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 going to really help people to engage God in a, um, a radical way. But then it's also going to give people keys and tools to live their best life, to impact their marriage, to yeah. impact how they raise their children. Uh, you know, so it's it's a game changer. I really believe that. You, know, you mentioned that God displays His love for us all the time, and I can remember back in the Old Testament when God was dealing with the Jewish people, He's like, create an altar, 
you know, like write this experience down. He knew we were going to forget it. It didn't even necessarily take generations to forget. It could take days for us to forget God's provision and love for us. You know, why is that so easy for us to just lose sight of that? Well, I think part of it is, you know, it's so easy to become busy and to become so overwhelmed with uh, the day-to-day components, you know, that our first love kind of falls by the wayside. You know, that was the indictment that God had uh, with one of the churches in in Asia Minor. That's right, exactly, exactly. He says, you're doing a whole bunch of great things, but you've neglected your first love. And I think that that is a a statement, not just for that church, but I think it's a relevant statement of the times. Uh, But I also think for many people, this notion of religion versus relationship, you know, um, I think is a big one. And I, I think that when you are passionately in love with someone, it changes the priorities of your life. And I think the challenge for many people is because they don't know God that way. Uh, they know him through a lot of religion. They know him through a lot of uh, rules. And they haven't gotten to that place where they fully engage in a heartfelt relationship. It makes it really easy for God to just, you know, be kind of uh, something that you put on the shelf or something that you pick up when it's convenient. But when you're passionately in love with someone, it's all-consuming. You know, your whole life is defined by it, your priorities uh, reflect it. So, and is that just because we, we've set a cult within America, a culture of Christianity and religious Christianity? Is, is that why? Well, absolutely. I, I think uh, America, number one, as a culture has drifted uh, so far from God. Uh, and it is a culture of religion instead of relationship, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to shift people from uh, a duty to a love. <clears throat> You know, I don't love my wife because I have to. I love her because I love her. And all of my actions are governed by that. So it was, mm-hmm. it's the it's the heart connection that it then affects my behavior, and it's not the other way around. See, when you are tied to religion, it is actions versus versus the heartfelt component of relationship. And so got to shift that paradigm for people to really, really engage God and uh, to see the benefits and just the life change. So you've mentioned this a couple of times now, but you know how important this this book is for today, for the culture today, for the environment, the world today. Kind of speak a little bit more to that and why this is so pertinent. Yeah, I think our culture, number one, I mentioned it a moment ago, has drifted um, uh, from God. You know, I think the verdict on whether or not America is a Christian country, I think the verdict is still out. Yeah, um, I think there was a time when we probably could declare that with all certainty, but I don't necessarily know that that's the case anymore mm-hmm. uh, because of how our culture has drifted. But then I also think that just with the evolution of our culture, with the technological advancements, with the number of things that have happened, our culture is now raising some some fundamental questions um, that I do believe God wants to answer. But I think the way that he's going to answer them the right way is people have got to accurately understand who he is. I think also culturally, there's a lot of hurt um, that people are dealing with when you look at, you know, what's happened in the Catholic Church with the amount of scandals uh, with, uh, you know, leaders. Uh, and even in America, there have been a number of high profile leaders uh, yep. within the church that have fallen. And I do believe that it's it's raised a lot of questions about even the integrity of Christian leadership, the integrity yep. of the church. You know, is this what God is all about? I think there's unfortunately a lot of prejudice and hate that is uh, propagated by the church. And so I just think mm-hmm. all of those things uh, put culture in a, in a very interesting place where they're raising 
critical questions about, you know, is this God? There's a whole new category of people that's growing now that's called nuns. You know, they are no longer yeah. religiously affiliated. Uh, yeah. Some groups, some people call them the de-churched, you know. So, you know, all of that, I think, creates this interesting milieu uh, that raises these fundamental questions that have to be answered appropriately. And and I think, you know, when you think about like Acts 13, I believe it is, Acts 12, it talks about how David served the purposes of God for his generation. I just yep. think every generation has a responsibility to communicate to its current and the next generation who God is with cultural sensitivity and biblical in- integrity. And that's one of the things that uh, Desire by God mm-hmm. does. You know, if you look throughout church history, where, where Christianity thrives the most is under persecution. You know, it's when it, our back's against the wall, where we actually have a real felt need for our Savior, that, huh, surprisingly, our faith really thrives. As far as the the American church is concerned today, you know, when does when is this going to all kind of come to a head? I mean, are we heading towards revival? Is Are we heading towards some sort of level of destruction? Um, how does this break, and, and how does the American church really become on fire again, in your estimation? Well, I think we are headed towards revival, but, you know, when you, you know, look at the historical revivals, um, there have been some consistent themes that have kind of governed them or contributed to them. You know, it is... Um, culturally. Our backs are against the wall culturally, yeah, and this heartfelt desire to return to the Lord is one of yeah. the things. But then also, there has been cultural upheaval. You know, there has been a fallout, a destruction, uh, treacherous times, mm-hmm. however you want to describe it. So I just think, as a student of history, I think we're trending in that same direction again. So I'm actually hopeful. I don't know that anybody can tell you all of the parameters and it's going to take this to get there, but I do feel like there's an overwhelming sense that not only do I share, but other people that I respect shares. And I believe we're headed in that direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, you know, books like uh, the Benedict option and and others, um, we're all wrestling with the same question and everybody sees the handwriting on the wall. And uh, I just ultimately think that obviously we know God is sovereign and, you know, he has a plan in all of these things. But uh, I just think that this is the the trend and I think we're headed towards a revival. Yeah, and it's not necessarily as far as the the cultural uh, upheaval that, that contributes to the revival. It's not like at a level I'm giddy about that, but at another level, very real level, it's like bring it on. You know, when we, I long for a day where we can't afford to be, in my case, like literally fat and happy, <laughs> you know, like I long for the day where we can't just be comfortable. Within your book, you talk a lot about how God is love. Why is that so important, especially in, in today, to remember that God loves us no matter what? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, um, I think when you look at the, the church, particularly the church in America, um, and I'm going to make a statement, and it may be a strong statement, but I hope that people take it with the intent with which I'm going to share it. I think that one of the big challenges for the church right now um, is that it looks more Pharisaic and Sadducee than it looks like Jesus. Sure. And so I think we have got to press pause and rediscover not only the, who Jesus is, but the heart of the Father. 
because I think that that's number one, the only way that we're going to really connect in a meaningful way, live meaningful, purposeful, you know, successful lives in terms of God's definition of it. But then I also think there are so many people that are hurting that we're called to win for Christ, but we're not going to win them through judgment and condemnation. We're going to win them through love. I mean, I think about scriptures in Romans, for an example, that says it's the love of God that leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. Or I think about, you know, how Jesus um, reached a Samaritan woman and she ultimately reached a, an entire city or town for Jesus. You know, where the disciples, for an example, didn't even want to go through Samaria because Jews historically didn't deal with Samaritans. And that was racial. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you, you think about that and you think about the love that was demonstrated to that woman or even the woman caught in an act of adultery. You know, how they bring her to Jesus and they just want him to condemn her and stone her. Uh, but it's his love that is displayed. And it is not a sloppy love. It is not a, yeah. a sloppy grace. I think that's also the problem with the church. Uh, just like politics, the, the church, unfortunately, is too polarized. Either, you know, you've got the, the ultra, ultra side, you know, one side uh, that is legalism, or we go to the other extreme, which is a sloppy grace. And I don't think that that's what Jesus shows us. I definitely know that that's not what Paul shows us, you know. And so I just think we've got to get back to the truth and veer away from some of these traditions that we've allowed to dictate our thinking and even our outlook, because there are groups of individuals who desperately need God. They're searching for him. They're hungry for him. But leading with condemnation and judgment and and telling them everything that's wrong with them, their heart's going to close. They're not going to be open to the message. I often tell people that it's really about balancing the Great Commission with the Great Commandment. A lot of people say, well, we got to, it's the Great Commission. We've got to spread the truth. And I get that. But I think a mature person understands that you have to balance the Great Commission with the Great Commandment. And the Great Commandment is to love others as I have loved you. That's what Jesus tells us to do. And I think to do one without the other is to be in balance. You got to do both, and you got to do both in the right order. Yeah, when you look at God's representation on this earth, Jesus, God incarnate, you know, he was just all about loving everybody. And, you know, we're talking about culture a lot today. We live in a culture where you can't just disagree. You, you almost have to, like, hate people. <laughs> and that's not just politically. I mean, it's, 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 and you, you experienced that in a very real way recently in your trip to the White House. Kind of tell me the, the backlash that, that, that you got just simply going to have a conversation. Oh, man. Well, I don't know if you have enough time on this uh, show <laughs> to, 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 to get into all of that. But no, it, it was to say that it was. Um, and what was your purpose there? So my purpose there was this was the second meeting um, of a series of meetings that I attended about prison reform. Uh, There is a bill. It's called the First Step Act, um, which is a step in the right direction in terms of prison reform. It's passed the House. It's yet to pass the Senate. Um, I was consulted uh, and asked my opinion of the bill, particularly because of uh, all the work that we do uh, in and around Alabama in terms of uh, our prison ministry and just a number of issues. So I was asked to to weigh in on it. And so this was a follow-up meeting uh, to that successful meeting. And uh, just being there, the, the difference was the first meeting was not made public. This yeah, meeting, the media was only allowed to come in for a short period of time. So they didn't capture the entire meeting. They didn't capture the entire discussion. They only caught little bits and pieces of it. But yeah, I mean, it's been uh, the hate, the, the venom. Uh, I have been called every 
a negative name uh, under the sun. I've been trolled on the uh, social media. It's been it's mm-hmm. been really bad. But it also beyond the the response of people. I think what has been most unfortunate for me is understanding that our culture has descended to a place that you can't even have a conversation with somebody that you disagree with. Yes. And then I think the other thing that grieves me has been the response of believers. And this is once again why yes. desire by God is so necessary and us really getting a true picture of the Father and Jesus. Because what you see is that Jesus didn't behave this way. I mean, Jesus had conversations with people that he disagreed with. I mean, he literally tells the Pharisees he's come for the sick. So he makes a beeline, you know, to the to the worst of society because he wants to bring the gospel to them. And it's been so surprising to me that the number of people who call themselves believers yep. who just hate the fact that I'm gone. And I'm saying, hello, has anybody read the Bible? Has anybody seen Jesus? You know, but once again, I think it further substantiates my position that I think we've drifted into more, you know, Pharisaic Sadduceeism than looking like Jesus. And and we've got to we got to change that. Van, thank you so much for your time today. It is was a pleasure. And we spoke a couple of years back, and this was a pleasure as well. If you want more information about Van, you can go to his website. It's vanmoody.org. Van, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Josh. Obviously, right? So. Being desired by God, the fact that God is love, I mean, it's so relevant for today. I love how much he takes on the cultural ramifications of our day and how important it is just to go back to like the ABCs of Christianity, and that's to have a proper understanding of who God is in his book, Desired by God. I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think it was Tozer. I'm going to throw out a Tozer when Jimbo's not here, and of course... I mean, he needs to be here to be impressed, but he's not, and he's probably not going to even listen to the episode, because that's just him. But Tozer said, the most important thing about you is what you know and believe and understand about God. And so, to Van's point, so many of us, and I know I butchered that quote, but so many of us have this terrible understanding about God, that God actually wants us to fight every battle, and God wants us to point out every wrong belief in the other person. And it's like, no, 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 that's not... Now, there's a time and a place for that. But we take every time and every place as our opportunity to be God's instrument of correction in everyone else's life, and that's just not who God is. That's not the essence of who He is. We have to earn the right to be heard. We have to first love and come across the aisle and and be there in support of other people's humanity before we're ever really earn the right to, to speak and to tell them about our viewpoint. So this whole Desired by God, this, this book about having a, a proper understanding of who He is, you know, learning about God's love on display and then how we can live in a loving way, I think that's huge. So if you want more information about this episode and or Van or his book, you can also visit our website. It's paradoxpodcast.com. You can find our socials there as well. If you want to find the episode, just click on the episode link. We appreciate you guys for listening today. Uh, Jimbo is busy. He's moving today away from Georgetown, Texas into Austin. And so he is, um, it's only a 30 minute move, but um, so he's busy moving and that's why he wasn't on the call. Uh, But we appreciate you listening and we would appreciate it if you also reviewed the show on wherever you listen to the show, as well as shared our episodes with family or friends. We appreciate you guys very, very much. Take care. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. 
For more information about our Paradox Evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. If I could have lunch with anybody on the planet, it would be Lynn Manuel Miranda. Really? Yes. I'd probably choose somebody different. Who? Jack Ryan. See, now if I could do a fictional character, <laughs> that so, would is be Is anybody different. else out there watching the Amazon uh, show? I would have, I, I would have uh, lunch with Harry Potter. That's if weird. I could have with a, a fictional character. It's very weird. <laughs>